welcome and thank you for tuning in to the Grace Assembly of God Sermon Podcast. Grace exists to help people discover a life of purpose in Jesus Christ through discipleship and serving one another. If you would like additional information, visit us online at www.graceofbelair.com. Again, thank you for joining us and enjoy this week's message. We're going to jump right into Joshua chapter 4. And uh, that's where we're going to be camping out today in, in God's Word. So if you have a Bible, turn there. Also, um, in your program bulletin today, there's um, some notes in there that you can uh, look at, as well as write down some things maybe the Lord is speaking to you uh, this morning. And also on, on the Bible app, if you have the Bible app, uh, you can pull that out and go to, uh, the, there's an option there that says more, click on that then events should pop up. You should be able to hit that event button and it'll have our church name there and they'll have all the notes there as well. So uh, you can do one of those two things if you would like. And the title of today's message is uh, God's Mission. And uh, we're excited about what God's gonna share with each and every one of you today. And uh, we're talking about every generation today, that God's mission includes every generation. And uh, I don't know about you, but every generation has something different. I mean, 40, 50 years ago, how many know life was different 40 or 50 years ago? And life was different maybe 20 years ago, 10 years ago, five years ago. A lot of things have changed over this time uh, that we have been here on earth. And so uh, one of the stories I heard um, about my grandfather, about uh, my grandmother told me this story just recently, and it was, um, she was, they had gone on vacation, and my grandfather is one of my heroes, and, and uh, he's a great guy, and he's also very funny and humorous, and there was a uh, time about 10 years ago where they were on vacation, and they had, you know, gotten to their hotel room, their resort, and how many of you know that they, when you walk into those rooms, they have like a little welcoming thing, like, you know, some kind of decoration or gift or whatever that they just display um, on the counter or whatever. And so they had that there and, and they ended up going right out uh, to go eat somewhere and they came back. And out of the corner of my grandmother's eye, she sees my grandfather approach this spot and pick something up and put it in his mouth and he starts to eat it and starts to chew. And then, you know, thinking it was candy. And so she then sees him a few seconds later start to spit and as much of that out as he possibly could in the sink. And she was thinking, what in the world is he doing? Like, he's just like gargling water. He's spitting it out. And what had happened was, is he saw this package that was very colorful and it had a lot of, looked like a lot of different fruity flavors in it, but it was a pod filled with dish detergent. And he had thrown that into his mouth and had started to chew it only to realize that it was not a fruity flavor of candy. That was his first experience with a pod filled with dish detergent soap. And so, he learned that now that comes in those kinds of pods. And so uh, it was a very wonderful story, to say the least. Uh, I can't only even imagine what, what that was like, seeing that happen. But uh, needless to say, he was very disappointed at the flavor. So um, we're going to jump right in this morning about looking at a generation of people uh, that God had called to do something for such a time as this. And, and we're going to be looking at that through Joshua chapter 4 today. So if you have a Bible, you can turn there. We're going to be looking at uh, pretty much the entire chapter today, but I want to kind of give you some background uh, to the story so that you're able to kind of follow what is taking place during this time. Because God had called this group of people, uh, the nation of Israel at this time, the Jewish people, 
into a promise, into a land that he was calling them to. But before that happened, we were going to see that through you know, their time in Egypt, they were enslaved there. And then they had a leader, God had called a leader named Moses to go and deliver them out of Pharaoh's hands, out of Egypt. And so they get out of that land. And then we see them uh, in the wilderness for, for several years, many years. And eventually uh, what happened, Moses ended up passing away. He ended up dying. And then God had called now a man named Joshua, who this book is named after. And this is where we start to see in Joshua's chapter one, two, and three, what is taking place. God calls Joshua to lead these people. And then we see, uh, we know the mission. They have a mission to go and, and conquer this land. And so in order for them to do that, they have to cross the Jordan River. They have to, uh, Joshua will eventually send spies into this land called Jericho, which is a, a very famous story in the Bible about Jericho, marching around those walls and seeing the walls fall in Jericho. And so we see this taking place in Joshua chapter two. And they realize that Jericho has, is in fear of the Israelites because of the God that is with them. And so we see this in Joshua chapter three, where God now calls the people to cross the Jordan River. So what God ends up doing is he ends up stopping the river where it is, and they end up crossing it, um, not just their military, but their entire nation of that people group, a very large number crossed through the Jordan River onto the other side. And this would obviously create fear amongst those that they were approaching as far as their enemies. And so this is where we pick it up in, in Joshua chapter four. We see what's, what's happening in the middle of the scene of them crossing the Jordan River. And so this is where we pick up. So this morning, I want us to understand this, that God's mission includes every generation. And when it comes to God's mission, when it comes to the mission that God has called every single person on this earth to follow, to do, it is something that is very special. And that's the first point I want to mention today about the fact of this, is that God's mission is special. This is what it is, uh, says, uh, verses 1 through 14. We're actually just going to read uh, 1 through 10 for right now. We'll pick up the other verses later. And this is what it says. It says, when the whole nation had finished crossing the Jordan, the Lord said to Joshua, Choose 12 men from among the people, one from each tribe, and tell them to take up 12 stones from the middle of the Jordan, from right where the priests are standing, and carry them over with you, and put them down at the place where you stay tonight. So Joshua called together the 12 men he had appointed from the Israelites, one from each tribe, and said to them, Go over before the ark of the Lord your God into the middle of the Jordan. Each of you is to take up a stone on his shoulder, according to the number of the tribes of the Israelites, to serve as a sign among you. In the future, when your children ask you, what do these stones mean? Tell them that the flow of the Jordan was cut off before the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord. When it crossed the Jordan, the waters of the Jordan were cut off. These stones are to be a memorial to the people of Israel forever. So the Israelites did as Joshua commanded them. They took 12 stones from the middle of the Jordan, according to the number of the tribes of the Israelites, as the Lord had told Joshua. And they carried them over with them to their camp where they put them down. Joshua set up the 12 stones that had been in the middle of the Jordan at the spot where the priest who carried the Ark of the Covenant had stood, and they are there to this day. Now the priest who carried the Ark remained standing in the middle of the Jordan until everything the Lord had commanded Joshua was done by the people, just as people, just as Moses had directed Joshua. And we're going to stop right there for right now, but I want us to kind of give a brief overview of what's 
happening because this is a very, very important scene that most people are focusing on the fact that the waters have stopped, but I want us to focus on the commands that God has given to Joshua and Joshua is giving to the people. And, and so what he's telling them, and basically in verses four through six, is, is that there, that God wants the people to take up 12 stones where the Ark of the Covenant is. That represented God's presence during that time. Very powerful, very influential. In fact, it was so powerful when the priests who were only allowed to carry it on these poles, they had to carry it into the Jordan River that when they carry that presence of God into the Jordan River, the river stopped. And then this is what it transpires that Joshua, once everybody has crossed this Jordan River, right? What does Joshua tell 12 men, from, one from each tribe? There's 12 tribes in Israel that they, would, uh, that they would be called. So one representing each tribe. And he tells them, go back into the Jordan in the middle of the river, which is where the Ark of the Covenant of God is placed, is, is being held by these priests. Now, you may not think anything of it, but that's huge. That is scary for those 12 men. You may think those 12 guys, man, they must be honored. No, I'm telling you, they're scared to death. Why? Because in verse, or in chapter three, they are giving this command out to all the people who are crossing the Jordan River. Do not come within a thousand yards of the Ark of the Covenant. Do not come within a thousand yards. Why? Because you will die. Basically is what's, what they're referring to. And so now Joshua is breaking protocol, is he not? Oh, I need 12 guys. Guess what? You're gonna walk in the middle of the Jordan River where the Ark of the Covenant of God is placed and they're thinking, wait, what? Like, that's, that's not cool. I'm not doing that. I, I don't want to do that. In fact, it was only supposed to happen one, once a year. A high priest was supposed to approach the Ark of the Covenant of God called the Day of Atonement. And that was considered to be the one time a year. And even the high priest had to do a number of things just to be able to approach the Ark of the Covenant of God, because he knew how serious it was. And there was, I mean, we can't get into all the details of what took place on that day, but all I'm here to tell you is that this is, almost, this is a special mission, but it also could be deadly for those 12 men, because they are literally approaching the throne of God. And it's so powerful, it plugs a river when it crosses that's how powerful the presence of God was. And this is such an interesting thing to know that these men are literally having to take steps of faith. And they were probably thinking, this is steps towards death. Like, I'm literally walking closer and closer to my death. And if I keep going, I'm going to die. And they still did it. They took steps of faith. You know what? This is a beautiful picture of the cross. Where a lot of people, they see the cross and they realize, if I keep going and submit my life to Jesus, he's going to take away all my fun. He's going to take away everything from me. Uh, but for those who are following Jesus, who those who approach the cross, who, who submitted their life to Christ, how many know he wasn't bringing death into your life? He started to bring life into you, right? He started to give you life. And those stones were representing the cross, because you know what? Because they're carrying it. Just like you have to, where Jesus says, pick up your cross daily and follow. These are stones that are going to serve as a memorial for the people of Israel to be reminded of something that was, that was so significant in that time. Not just the river clogged, but that the fact that 12 men were able to approach the powerful presence of God and they did not die. It was a 
It was a prophecy, to say the least, to let people know that, yes, they're a representation of every tribe of Israel, but it's a representation of also of all the tribes for all over the earth that there is coming a day where the Messiah, Jesus Christ, is coming, where he's going to put an end to all these rituals that we have to do, and we have direct access to God the Father through the Son, Jesus Christ. This was a powerful moment that was taking place. This was so significant that you have to begin to even wonder what was it like to be one of those 12, that from every tribe, tongue, and nation, this is speaking about Jesus in the future. And I can guarantee you this, these guys had no idea the significance of everything in this passage, what they were actually experiencing. They had no idea. But isn't that how God works? When God calls you to do something, when God asks you to do something and you do it, It is greater than you ever thought that you could ever imagine, ever dream possible, and the impossible becomes a reality. This is exactly what these men are dealing with. They're taking steps of faith towards that that presence of God, towards that Ark of the Covenant, and they realize it wasn't death at all. It was actually breathing life. Some people like to say, well, God just wants to take away all my fun. No, God's just interested in saving your soul. What you call fun is ending up destroying your soul. And a lot of people have a hard time because they're believing the lie that if I take steps towards Jesus, if I completely surrender everything to him, that it's gonna bring death into your life. That is a lie. I don't know who told you that. Maybe you told yourself that. Maybe somebody else told you that. Maybe the enemy himself has told you that. He's planted those thoughts into your mind. So that's why you're not fully committed or you won't fully commit yourself to God is because you've believed a lie. The lie is that he's gonna bring death. He's gonna take away all your fun. When Jesus is simply telling you, no, I'm trying to give you everything if you would just let me do it. And when we commit our life to Christ, that's what he does. He breathes life into you. He breathes life into me. And so these men had to risk everything. They had to risk everything to approach Jesus. You see, there's a lot of times where we trust God when things are going bad. But how about trusting God when he gives you a blessing? How about trusting God when he he has given you an abundance? We always want to trust God when things are going wrong. But how about when things are going right? Do you still trust him with that blessing? Because it's not your blessing in the first place. It's his It's not your gifting in the first place. Who knitted you together in your mother's womb? Was it you or was it God? So God put that gifting in you. God blessed you with that. It's not your blessing, it's his. So do we trust him with the abundance, with the blessing too? Or do we just trust him when things are going wrong? It's a lot easier to trust God when things are going wrong at times, but it's a lot harder to say God still wants to control the blessing and the abundance because the blessing was meant for other people too. It wasn't just meant for a select few. So for these men, they had to do something that was far above anything that they ever thought they had to do on that day. And Joshua was calling them to do that. But this is what's so beautiful is that what these stones were going to represent for the future generations to come is that these stones we're going to mean something. In fact, in that culture, in that day, when people would walk around from place to place, area to area, and they would see these stones, it would cause them to ask the question, what are these stones here for? Something special has happened, and I want to know what it is. And there may be somebody who was there who could begin to tell them the story, but then there are times 
where maybe somebody doesn't know the story. And so they would have to research and inquire and figure out what took place because their curiosity would, would light up whenever they would see a pile of stones like that. And so what, 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 what is happening here is that this is a memorial so that people could realize God, you know, he basically cut off the Jordan River, but then those stones have a deeper meaning though, don't, do they not? Those were the stones where the presence of God was, was at. And there were 12 men who grabbed those stones and they did not die like they were supposed to because that's what was warned of what would happen if you did that. And so now those stones have a deeper meaning. It's more than just the river drying up. No, it was these stones represented the presence of God. And these men were able to pick them up and carry them to where the Israelites were staying as a result of his grace and mercy and power. This was such a beautiful thing. And this is why it's so important to know that future generations matter to the Lord. Future generations matter to the Lord. And it's our responsibility for the future generations. What these people were doing was for future generations to come. And they were held responsible for that moment, that mission, and that timing. It's the same thing with us. We are responsible for the future generation. God takes that very seriously in the Bible. He's very, he's very, he's very um, considers it a, a great importance to know that the future generations matter and that it's up to us to pass along what, uh, what, what the future generations will receive. And I, and I love to be able to use, you know, our generation now, we're, you know, expanding our facilities that way with the youth and the kids, be able to reach um, more and provide a place for them. And this is why it's such a, a wonderful thing because you know what's gonna happen with my son and with the kids that, um, you know, maybe they're not able to say a whole lot yet, you know? And do you know what eventually they're gonna be able to say is why did people do that? You know, why did, why, what's the purpose of this whole thing? And they may not ask that exactly, but it would cause them for, for me as a father to be able to tell my son, you, I, I was so excited to be a part of something so special and you know what? There were so many people who sacrificially gave, who, who pressed pause on a few things in their life just so that you could encounter Jesus Christ in that place. And for those other kids who may ask the question, and guess what? You may get the opportunity to explain it to them. I mean, how cool is that? Well, I don't have any kids. Well, guess what? There may be a kid that you don't even know who's not even in this church yet, but 15 years from now, they're gonna be here and they're not... They're, they're not your child, but guess what? You get to explain it to them. Man, I was there when it happened. I mean, how cool is that? I was there when the church responded. I was there when it was built. I remember, and I paid a price, but you know what? It was a price that was so worth it because it gave people an opportunity to hear the gospel, to encounter Jesus Christ in such a wonderful way that there are more people coming to know God than we have ever seen before. This is why it's such an amazing thing to be a part of because I wanna be able to say, I was there. I wanna be able to say, I was a part of that mission. I didn't sit on the sidelines and watch it happen. No, I wanted to be in the game. I wanted to be on the front lines. I didn't wanna watch something special happen and not do anything with it. I wanna be in it. I wanna be able to tell those kids, those kids that we don't even know yet. They have, maybe they haven't even been born, but this is such an important thing to God that we can be able to tell these future generations about God's faithfulness and about stories of people who sacrificially did something for the greater mission, which was reaching people for Jesus Christ. 
And this is what exactly Generation Now is all about. It's not about us, it's about the future. And that's just, it's gonna serve as a sign because this is what the stones represented. It, was, it served as a sign of God's presence. And this is why so many have sacrificed. And I believe this, that there, is, there are people here who you're, you're hearing about this. Maybe you wanna inquire a little bit more about it, but maybe God's putting something on your heart to do. Listen, all I can say to you is prayerfully consider what God maybe wants you to do. Prayerfully consider. That means you have to talk to God about it. Ask him. And before you give God what you think, why don't you let God tell, him, tell you what he thinks? Because a lot of times that gets us in trouble. I mean, come on, that happens to me all the time. I tell God what I'm thinking and God's like, well, here, let me tell you what I'm thinking. I'm like, oh, that's kind of the opposite of what I was thinking, but okay, I'll go with it. And I realize God's wisdom is greater. His understanding is greater than I. And so I follow his ways because why? That's what I committed to. That's what these men were committing to. The 12 men who approached those stones They were saying, I'm risking and committing everything in my life and my very life. This is what is such an important passage to us to be reminded. And that's just an example. There are so many other things that we could jump into as far as topics, but this is what, this is what it says, 10 through 14 or verses 11 through 14. It says, um, the people hurried over and as soon as all of them crossed the ark of the Lord and the priest came to the other side while the people watched. The men of Reuben, Gad, and half the tribe of Manasseh crossed over, ready for battle in front of the Israelites, as Moses had directed them. About 40,000 armed for battle crossed over before the Lord to the plains of Jericho for war. That day, the Lord exalted Joshua in the sight of all Israel, and they stood in awe of him all the days of his life, just as they stood in awe of Moses. And this is what is so important when it comes to God's special mission that he has for a, a generation to do something, that a lot of times what can happen is that when God does a miracle, it creates an arrogance amongst the people that they stop living in submission to God and they start realizing, well, hey, I'm pretty special. You know what? God's got me, God's on my side and nobody's gonna be able to stand in against me and all this stuff. And then all of a sudden, rather than it bringing you to a place of submitting your life to him over and over for the rest of your life, because he does one thing, all of a sudden it creates an arrogance in the believer as a, I can do no wrong. I mean, did that not happen eventually later with the people of Israel? It started to create an arrogance in them, a pride issue. Rose up so quickly, it was literally going to destroy a lot of what God had, you know, what was going on in the scripture. A lot of things had happened as a result of their disobedience. But what I think even more interesting is that Jericho is, is hearing this, maybe even seeing this, 40,000 troops before the people cross, 40,000 armed for battle are crossing the Jordan River. How many know I would repent immediately? I'd be like, yo, I don't know what just happened there, but that water just stopped flowing. And guess what? It's in the middle of the flood stage. In the middle of a flood stage. That means it was a weird, strange timing. But how many know God's timing is better than anybody's timing? And so it was in the middle of a flood stage. The water's all of a sudden stopped. And guess what? What's even, great, what's even more amazing is that the, the ground is dry. How many know when water's been sitting there for a long time, Water's going to be a little, or the ground's going to be a little muddy, is it not? But not only did God plug the waters, he dried the soil so that people could walk across it, so that an army could walk across, 40,000, as it says. That's a big number. And yet Jericho still did not repent. 
I mean, if anything, that should have given them the opportunity to say, there is something greater happening. And yet they didn't. They still were okay with themselves. They, they feared the Israelites, but they, it didn't bring them closer to God. It didn't change them at all. And it's such a striking thing to know sometimes how hard of hearts mankind gets when they see something and hear about something that's so amazing and they look at it and say, no, oh, that's cool. Or yeah, that scares me a little bit, but I'm gonna stay in my comfort zone. I'm not gonna commit everything. And it, it, it surprises us. It surprises me that people are still willing to say no when they could have just easily said, hey, I see what's happening here and I'm gonna say, you know what? I give in. They didn't. They still, still stayed in their, in their castle. They still stayed in their area. They didn't change any part of their life. Such a, a, a critical thing to notice. But what was even more important to also know, to know is that they were crossing the Jordan River, but God was reminding them, listen, you're not here just to sit into a, in a land and just have some fun and party the rest of your life. No, you're on a mission. We're here to get, do objectives. We're not here to just go over there and say, wow, that's a cool thing, and then sit there and do nothing for the rest of our life. No, we're gonna be here for a little bit, but we've got somewhere we're going. Yeah, we're not here to just sit there and do nothing. This is why I think Generation Now is such a, a pivotal thing. It's not just coasting through. It's no, we're on a mission. We're here to do something. And we're gonna do something well because we believe God has called us to do that. And if he's called us to something, how many know he's gonna lead us through something? If he's called you to the flooded Jordan River, that means he's gonna lead you on dry ground. It's very simple for God. Hard, hard for us to understand at times, but listen, God's ways are better than our ways. And this is what he finishes up in, in, in Joshua chapter four, verses 15 through 24. It says this, then the Lord said to Joshua, command the priest carrying the Ark of the Covenant law to come up out of the Jordan. So Joshua commanded the priest, come up out of the Jordan. And the priests came up out of the river, carrying the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord. Those priests' legs have to be so strong. No sooner had they set their feet on the dry ground than the waters of the Jordan returned to their place and ran at flood stage as before. On the 10th day of the first month, the people went up from the Jordan and camped at Gilgal on the eastern border of Jericho. And Joshua set up at Gilgal the 12 stones they had taken out of the Jordan. He said to the Israelites, in the future, when your descendants ask their parents, what do these stones mean? Tell them Israel crossed the Jordan on dry ground. For the Lord your God drived up the Jordan before you until you had crossed over. The Lord your God did to the Jordan what he had done to the Red Sea when he dried it up before us until we had crossed over. He did this so that all the peoples of the earth might know that the hand of the Lord is powerful and so that you might always fear the Lord your God. Listen, this is such a wonderful passage. When it comes to God's mission, you have to be led by his voice. Joshua is doing literally what God is speaking to him. And notice how, notice how God is, is revealing. This. He's revealing it step by step. He's not saying, hey, you're gonna go to Jericho. You're gonna go there, to there, to there. Afterwards, it would literally overwhelm you. Have you ever been at work or school and somebody just drops a project on you and it just overwhelms your brain that you can't even begin to wrap your mind around it and it causes stress and anxiety? Imagine if God would do that and he knows all things. Imagine if he would just drop that on you. Oh, here you go, poof. And all of a sudden you would just be like, I don't even know where to begin. Listen, God knows. He knows, that's why he just says, take the next step. Here's the next step, grab stones. Here's the next step, tell the priest to come out of the Jordan River now. Here's the next step, we're going to Gilgal. Here's the next step. You know, all these different things God is doing. He's doing it step by step. 
And he's waiting for you to respond. And this is such a, a wonderful thing to know that God isn't going to overwhelm us with things because he knows exactly how to minister to us. And this is such a, a wonderful thing. But this is more, what we're doing with Generation Now is more than just a building. I'm glad the Israelites didn't look at it as this is just about land. No, this was about a promise. God had called them to do something greater. He, had, he was fulfilling a promise and God was just using the land as something to show, again, his great power so that all the peoples of the earth will know how great and awesome he is and hopefully draw them to him. The building is more than just an expansion of a building. It is to show people around this community, people, whoever we may encounter from all over the world, who knows, because we always have people coming in and out of the country all the time. Who knows? It is to, it's just something God is choosing to use so that people will begin to know how great and awesome and how he's wanting to draw them closer to him. It is just something he's wanting to use. It's not just about a land. It's not just about a building expansion, just so we can say we have it. It's more than that. It was more to the Israelites than just a piece of property. It was God's presence. We wanted to see God's presence move. We wanted to see God's favor upon us. And here's what we're going to do. So in order for me to illustrate you this to you and what this means and what this has meant, uh, what your investment has meant to people um, from, from generations of students, um, we have a few students who are willing to share this morning what God is doing as a result of what you have done already. And we can't thank you enough. So we're going to roll that video at this time. Hey, Grace Assembly of God. My name is uh, Daniel Turing, and I grew up at Grace Assembly of God, and it's actually my home church. And I just graduated uh, Bible college, and I am now in full-time ministry, and I'm super excited that you guys are doing this Generation Now uh, movement and just adding to the building and all that stuff. And I'm just super excited to see what you guys are going to do. But Grace has been an amazing, uh, just amazing blessing in my life. I remember just all the youth leaders pouring time into me, investing with me, talking to me about my quiet time with Jesus and just asking me those questions that most people don't want to ask. And I remember one of the key moments of my life is, I think it was my junior or senior year, I went to youth camp and God was calling me into ministry. And a youth leader kind of confirmed that for me and saying, you know what, Daniel, I think God has great plans for you. And you know what, I believe that you're going to be in full-time ministry. And that youth leader is still there today, and I'm so thankful for that youth leader. Uh, I'm just super excited to see what you guys are going to do. All right, God bless. Hey, what's up, everybody? My name is Jordan uh, Parker, and I currently serve as a youth pastor at a local church here on Long Island. And... Um, the role Grace played in my life was significant. It was my first church family, um, and that was where my my faith journey really began, where the people that took me in as their son, grandson, you know, their brother, nephew, whatever you want to call it. Um, but man, my life was changed by the radical love um, that the people there had and still have for me, even to uh, this day. Um, a defining moment for me was when it was in November, I believe November 13th, but it was the day I gave my 
uh, my heart to Jesus, and it was during youth service. And I just remember hearing the gospel so clearly uh, articulated where, man, this is this is the moment where my life can actually really begin. Uh, and I mean, I thought my life had begun. I thought I was doing, you know, different things that high schoolers do. Um, but when I heard, you know, like, this is the moment where true life really begins. Man, I didn't look back, hit the ground running. Um, and I'm so thankful for the time and for the energy and for the love uh, that grace has, has poured out into me. And I mean, I think it's important that the church continues to invest into uh, its kids and youth because, man, it had changed my life. The love and the consistency and the care and really people just believing in me, people pouring out my gifts, people pouring out my strengths, people being there uh, for community, people being there when I needed I needed it. Grace became you know, part of my family, and that changed everything for me. Having not just uh, you know intellectual, spiritual truth, but man, having a genuine love, having people I know I could do life with, having people I could uh, uh, wrestle with, having people I could go do college visits with. Man, it is so important. So that is why Grace uh, should continue to invest in youth because man, I am a byproduct of the love that has been sown by so many of you guys. How do you guys? All right. Well, just want to, again, thank you all so much for your investment and uh, for the future generations and the generations that we have here at this church. And and uh, because you guys have responded time and time again, I'm telling you what, I mean, this is such a wonderful place. And there's so many people who have been here longer than I have. And um, man, it's, it's incredible to see how God has done so many things over the years here at this church. And I can't thank you enough. And, uh, to, and we want to celebrate with you, obviously. We want to thank you. And we just are so encouraged by the response. And I, you know, for those who, uh, you know, who may be thinking about doing something, you know, like we have been talking about here today. And again, I just say, would you prayerfully consider? You know, and say, ask the Lord, what would he have you to do? Because at the end of the day, the Lord knows where you are. The Lord knows what you have. And understand this, it's not about equal giving, it's about equal sacrifice. And then also at the end of the day, when you place, if you have your resources in your hands, they're very limited. But when you place resources into the hands of the creator, how many know he's the creator? Come on. When he's the creator, he speaks where there is nothing and something happens. I mean, look at the creation of our world, nothing there. And then he spoke and all of a sudden, boom, it happened. Because God is so powerful that he wants all people over all the earth to come to know who he is. Because that reveals, again, what the New Testament says. His will is for all people to come to know him. And so he is making a way for people to come to know him. And so that's what is so beautiful. And so this morning, as we even talk about something like this, but even other areas of your life, is what areas of our life have we, have we had a hard time submitting to? Maybe it's salvation. Maybe you need to come to a place of, of submitting yourself to God. And yeah, it may be scary for you, but listen, tell, I'm here to tell you, it's nothing to be afraid of because God's trying to give you life, life to its fullest. And all you have to do is submit yourself to him and live that life of submission. And for the rest of your life, 
well, I'm just afraid God's going to have me move to another country and all this different stuff. Listen, God hasn't called me to another country. God called me here. And so I just responded. Listen, there are so many people who, you know, God's going to tell me to sell my car. God has never called me to sell my car, but he has called a friend of mine to do that. And I can't tell you that, you know, how many people have done different things, but that's what God called them to do. God didn't call me to do certain things that they did. Because you know what? God's mission for you that he has for your life is special. It's his story that he's wanting to write about your life. And you get to be a part of even a greater mission than just your individual life. And this is why it's such an important thing to be reminded. You know, when we said, I'm going to follow Jesus, how many know now God's going to follow up with that, with that statement? Okay. What about this area? What about that area? What about this area? What about this? What about your job? What about your life? What about your calling? What about, what about your family? What about your kids? What about your finances? What about your relationship that you're in? What about all these areas? You said 100% of you was fully in on God. Now we're just following up. Did you mean what you said? And I, for me, listen, time and time again, there were times where I was like, I don't know if I can do this. And eventually I came to the point of where I did it. And then I realized there was nothing to be afraid of in the first place. God had me the whole time. And it was like taking, again, steps of faith that I thought was going to leave me in a place of nothing when it was literally God was just trying to give me everything. And that's why when we come to that, what area of your life needs to be submissive to him? What area is he pinpointing? And I could go, again, I've given several examples, but I can't go to everything. But I know the Holy Spirit can plant those things in your mind, in your heart, and he begins to say something to you. And I just hope that you will respond. So how do you respond? Well, it's, it asks, it asks the, you have to ask the question, what is God speaking to you? What's the next step? What is God speaking to you to do next? Because now he's, now he's pinpointed something in your heart, pinpointed something in your mind. Now the next step is he's going to lay it out for you and he's going to see whether or not you will take that next step. Because it may not make sense it may be you're, you're approaching a flood stage of a river, but then when you meet God right where he is, because listen, who went into the river first? The presence of God did. Who stood in the river? The presence of God did. Before the armies crossed, the presence of God went first. And then the people crossed after the armies. God went first. So for, before we say, well, I just wait for God to go first, he's already gone first. He's just waiting for you to respond next. He's saying, come with me. I'm trying to get you and show you something that is far above what you ever thought was possible because that's how our God works. And God's mission is for every generation. This is the beautiful picture of our Lord. So this morning, as you know, I'm gonna invite the band to come up this morning as we close today, that God's mission is for every generation. And, you know, I've, I've named a few things, you know, have you given your life to Christ? And Listen, before anything else, before you do anything else, before you even think about doing anything else, listen, the most important thing that, we, that you could ever do with your life is committing your life to Christ. Being like those 12 men, where it may feel scary, you may have fears, you may have worries, you may not under, understand everything, but it's not a step towards death, it's a step towards life. And this is what Jesus is doing. He's drawing you to, to, to him, asking, will you receive salvation, forgiveness of sins? Will you admit and submit yourself at the same time to his lordship, realizing that your life on your own 
It, it can't do anything. This is, what, this is what Ecclesiastes talks about. Everything I did was meaningless. You know, all these things I was trying to do with my life. Everything I did was meaningless. But when it's in the hands of Almighty God, it's eternal. And your life in God's hands is something that will last forever. It is something special that he wants to do. If you're here this morning, I just want to give you that opportunity to do that. If there are some here this morning, you know, you have an area of your life you need to be more submissive to, I encourage you to do that. And I had the Lord feel like he spoke something to me for somebody in this place on, on forgiveness. Not forgiveness for you, but forgiveness that you need to forgive a family member. You need to forgive somebody because you've held on to that for so long. And you think forgiveness for some reason is a, is a sign of weakness when it's not a sign of weakness. It's from strength. And the best example I can give to you is Jesus. It wasn't weakness, what Jesus was doing. It was powerful. It was effective. So don't let unforgiveness reign in your heart because if you allow that to reign in your heart, it will destroy you and it will lead you to a place that maybe you're already in. It's consuming your mind. I'm telling you, release that and say, Lord, I'm not trying to be insensitive about any situation that you are facing, but I'm just here to tell you, if Jesus forgives us, and now we can forgive others to experience that same power. It's not a position of weakness, it's a position of strength. To say, you know what? I'm gonna release that. I'm gonna release it and allow God to, to, to come into my life and really begin to work through that situation. I don't know who that is today, but maybe one, maybe two, maybe three. But release that to the Lord. And you'll be glad that you did because he's wanting to bring, breathe life into that situation. But he's waiting for you to forgive. He's wanting to breathe life, but he's waiting for you to forgive. If you will do that, he will breathe life into that situation. This morning, there's you know a number of different things that we can talk about that we have mentioned, but... You know, I just want you to ask yourself, what is, what is the Lord asking me to submit to him? He's told, I've told him I'm following him. So what position, what area of my life do I need to submit now? Is there an area? Maybe you're in this place and you've got the next step, but you're afraid to take that next step. God wants to give you that courage. And if you're here this morning, I just, I want to ask everyone to stand this morning because we're going to sing this song here in just a moment. And the same God that was in this Bible that moves through the nation of Israel is wanting to move in your life. And the prayer teams, if you can come and get ready at this time, the same God who moved in, in this story is wanting to move in your life. I mean, there's a byproduct of so many here that God has moved in their life. God has changed their life. And this morning, we're gonna ask, you know, as we sing, maybe you need to commit your life to Christ and you need to come up here and just talk to one of these people. Listen, these are safe people. These are wonderful people. They just wanna love you and, and speak life into you. And, you know, today we just ask you to, you know, to, to consider coming up to the front if there's any requests or things that you have going on in your life. And if we, if we have several people come up, we can always bring up more people to help pray. I mean, we, we don't have to worry about that at all. Um, but here this morning, I just want to invite you to come and, and just encounter God's presence. Maybe just to, to sing this song about the situations or about the things that are going on in your life and say, do it again, Lord. What you've done before, do it again. Because the same God who did it in the past is wanting to do it now. And I'm telling you, he's doing it now. 
So let's begin to sing together. If you would like prayer, please come up at this time and before we have a, a dismissal. So let's begin to sing together.